Tonight's episode of Nightmare University is brought to you by Fangoria.com. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your destination for all the stories that couldn't fit in the physical magazine. Long-form pieces, deep dives, daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, exclusive access to the Fangoria vaults, as well as a constant curation of our favorite links from across the internet. Right now, all subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com. And as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Fangoria.com. Fright Rags is running this monkey farm now with an all-new collection of merch to celebrate the 35th anniversary of George A. Romero's classic Day of the Dead. Brand new t-shirt designs, hats, and lounge pants will have you saluting in style. Officially licensed and available exclusively at fright-rags.com. Nightmare University listeners can get an extra 10% off when they use the code NIGHTMARE10 at checkout. Again, use the code NIGHTMARE10 at checkout at fright-rags.com for an extra 10% off. Welcome to Nightmare University. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca McKendry, and I am excited because this is our first episode back of our third season. Guys, we are having some strange days here. Things are getting weird with pandemics and quarantines, and here in LA, we have now been given a stay uh, safe at home order where we are being encouraged to stay at home, so much so that they are actually um, taking criminal charges against some businesses that are opening um, when they're not supposed to be open. It's getting weird and wacky and and pretty scary here. Um, But I really wanted to push forward with the show and make sure that we did get the third season out on time because I need a break from all this madness and this is kind of my sanity. And so I hope you guys are able to find some solace in uh, digging back into horror films as well. So thank you all for joining me as we start our third season. I am so excited about our guest tonight because this is one of my absolute favorite topics. Um, As you have probably gathered from the first two seasons of Nightmare University, I definitely have a predilection towards more extreme horror. I love my 80s screwball comedies and um, even venturing into my 90s big budget horror action flicks, but my definite kind of favorite thing to talk about is is the 1970s exploitation stuff, venturing into the early 1980s. Hence my shark exploitation episode, my nun exploitation episode. And that brings me to the episode that we're going to have tonight, which is on video nasties. And uh, I'm not going to define them yet because I'm going to let our guest do that because he's going to do a much, much better job than I ever could. And uh, I have so many questions for him about how video nasties um, came upon the public and how they were received and everything like that. But just to start a little bit with how I first encountered video nasties, um, which I have a feeling just from talking to some of my Shockwaves co-hosts, Elric, Rob, and Ryan, is the same way that a lot of horror fans may have come across the term video nasties here in the States, which was watching The Young Ones on Comedy Central. Um, when I first saw The Young Ones, and <laughs> I just see our guest is wearing a Young One shirt right now. 
So um, The Young Ones was on Comedy Central when I was in high school in the 90s. And I was already a diehard horror fan by this. And there was one episode where Vivian had found a video nasty and then was trying to play it. And the title was something like The Headless Astronaut's Wife and it was supposed to be funny. And while I was watching it, I thought that this was just kind of a cute little colloquial term that they were using for some type of an extreme horror film. And then The Damned comes on at the end of the episode during the climax as they usually had these musical acts during the climax of the episodes the damned comes on and sings a song called video nasty and they even reference driller killer uh straight out and so immediately i my interest was piqued and then it wasn't until a couple of years later when i was reading through some of my horror books in college that i realized that video nasties were an actual thing it wasn't just this you know, term used to apply for, for extreme horror films. This was an actual historical thing that had happened in Britain that I had not learned about. This isn't the type of stuff you learn about in high school. So it took um, me kind of reading on my own to learn about it much later. And I soon realized once I started reading about it, that video nasties are all some of my absolute favorite films. And uh, so I'm going to introduce our guest tonight, David Gregory. I've been wanting to have him on since I first started the show. This is one of the topics that I actually think I pitched this show to Fangoria with, um, was getting David Gregory on to talk about video nasties. He is the president of Severn Films and just generally one of my favorite humans. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, so we are recording this over Zoom tonight, which is kind of trippy because I've done many podcasts with you, but we're usually in the same room. Yeah. Including one just like two weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Now, you have done a lot of work in the video nasty realm with Severin and releasing films um, and, and kind of even just living through it, correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, in fact, uh, I would say that Severin Films is kind of an extension of what Carl and I used to do in high school, which was trade bootleg videos of video nasties up and down the country with other like-minded uh, horror fans trying to find the stuff that was illegal in England at the time. So let's back up just a little bit because I totally want to get into that because that's what interests me the most is kind of like how it was received within horror fans. Like if somebody came into the States right now and started banning horror movies, what would I do? Which is try to get my hands on them by any means possible. But let's back up a little bit. So this all started with home video markets and suddenly yes. all of these horror movies that, that previously you had to go to a theater to see are now allowed to enter the home and corrupt the youth of America. Where, the youth where, of England, yes. The youth, thank the you, youth the youth of, of England. Yeah. And yeah. so how did the, you start first getting, realizing that this was going on? Like, was there a, a particular group that was starting it that was really trying to get these films banned? Yes, it was the National Viewers and Listeners Association, Mary Whitehouse, who is this lady who had been around for a long time, Christian lady who basically was always watching television for, uh, for going beyond the limits of what should be allowed in the home. And so when video came in, it was this whole world that, that, that she and people like her did not understand. So all of a sudden it wasn't going to the cinema to see films that had been rated by the BBFC. All of a sudden there were 
an influx of movies from uh, that weren't made by Hollywood studios that were uh, by filmmakers that nobody had heard of starring nobody that you'd heard of coming into your home and it became wildly popular just as it did here very quickly so everybody had a video and all of a sudden the shelves were filled with um, uh, films that had these lurid covers because they had to compete with the Hollywood movies. So the mm -hmm. way to compete was that that you would make very bloody or 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 exploitative uh, artworks, and so that was part of the problem. Was that basically they thought that these foreign films were coming in and corrupting uh, great decent British society, and um, and the politicians, Margaret Thatcher and, uh, and her government were in power at the time, and they were trying to deflect from the fact that they had the Falklands War going on. And so they did what a lot of politicians do when something bad is happening. They try to deflect what's going on and show that they're actually doing something good for the country. So they started getting on the bandwagon of the fact that these are the things that are actually corrupting our country and potentially going to destroy the moral fabric fabric of our country, as opposed to, you know, unemployment and, and, and real issues uh, that were very rife in the early 80s in, in Britain. And so everything came became about these videos, which children apparently were watching up and down the country and, and <laughs> having parties. And, and as one of the uh, as one of the uh, do gooders was said in a documentary I did called Van der Sadis Videos, um, he said that it was replacing the magician or the conjurer from children's parties. Now ah. it's a video nasty that the kids sit around and watch. And so they they created this image that there were just kids would run home from school and be able to get whatever they wanted from the video shop and they'd sit around at six years old and watch I spit on your grave you know <laughs> and so this became a massive moral panic and it actually and the the press loved it because they could talk about things like I spit on your grave and drill a killer and show the covers in the newspapers oh so salacious yeah completely hypocritically describe what happened in the movies and sell newspapers on the back of that and then say how disgusting it is it must be banned and wow. sure enough that's what happened and police started raiding video shops up and down the country and video store owners like most of them didn't really know that what they had on their shelves was obscene because all of a sudden the police were told go in there and get anything that you think is obscene and the police had no idea they weren't you know necessarily cine literate so they they didn't know you know the difference but I, there was funny uh, accounts of things like the best little whorehouse in Texas being seized. I heard about or, that one, know, that they or, were taking that one thinking that it was pornography. Yeah, or, or the big red one for the same for the same reason and uh, Apocalypse Now because it sounded like uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, you know. So stuff like that. The police were just basically raiding stores. All these people were, were being taken down the station saying you've got obscene stuff and so everybody just panicked the video shops just took all the horror movies off the shelves because they didn't want to deal with it oh, and wow. um, and of course horror was 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 the genre that was one of the most popular when when video first started and uh, and that i was uh, i was probably I think nine years old when we first got our, our Betamax player. And so, and, and Carl, my partner in Severin, we were at school together and he had one as well. And both of us would want to get the, 
you know, nastiest movies, the movies with the most lurid covers and and watch those as much as those movies as we could. And we saw it on the news and we saw it in the newspapers. And, and that was the first time when I was like, hang on a minute, uh, the, 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 the press and the politicians are lying there. What they are saying is simply not true about these movies. You know, I'd seen a bunch of them, even at that age. And, and I was like, they are, they really aren't that dangerous. They really aren't that, wow. you know, that terrifying. Now, what the I hell was, was up with the eighties? Cause while you guys were showing six year olds, I spit on your grave. We, our six year olds were all playing Judas priest backwards so they could worship the devil. <laughs> well, so we I don't even know too. what the hell was up with the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the thing it was it, that that's not what actually was happening it was what it, it was what the press and the and the moral majority was saying was happening yeah we had our tipper gore so right. yeah they were afraid of what was happening in other people's houses, particularly yeah. the working class and, and things like you know what if it gets into the wrong hands the uneducated people it might tip their brain into being a murderer and a rapist I mean that was the whole story behind this so so I remember there was one time where my dad came in and I was watching Zombie Creeping Flesh, which here is known as Night of the Zombies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Carl had given me the tape because his mum had, had seen that he'd copied it from the video store because he was bootlegging from, from the video store. And she saw that it said Zombie Creeping Flesh on the tape and she started to tape over it because she's like on the news it says that this is bad and I should not you should not have this so he gave the tape to me to get it away from her and I was watching it dad came in and was like this is a video nasty this is what they're talking about on the telly I'm like dad look at this look at this this is not dangerous this is me at like you know 10 10 11 years old I'm just like what they're saying is clearly not true you know so even though that these started getting banned and i want to talk about all the different levels of prosecution that they had in a sec but these movies start getting banned the video stores start getting raided were you still seeing them um like were they still available did there suddenly become kind of this bootleg market for them was there still need that, for that happened over them? time and and the actual prosecution of them happened over time as well because what happened was they just there were so many different lists that were going out in different parts of the country there was no definitive list of what mm-hmm. the nasties were until they actually prosecute started prosecuting them and when you say was, prosecute, like what was happening to these people? So like, basically they took a video store owner in and said, do you have the Driller Killer, I Spit on Your Grave, Cannibal Holocaust, Last House on the Left? Do you admit that you were um, uh, carrying, renting out obscene material? And usually they'd plead guilty because they were told if they plead guilty, they would get a fine and they could walk away. So, so in most cases, these films weren't actually watched you know, they weren't actually uh, seen. They were just like, uh, not many people were like, no, not guilty. You know, they were like, I need to get away from this. I didn't realize that I had obscene material. And if I get sent down for obscenity, that means I'm going to prison for basically running a video shop. You know, and some people did go to prison. I mean, David Kemp Watson, who ran World of Video 2000, which put out uh, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, aka Nightmare, uh, he actually did go to prison for being the distributor of nightmares and a damaged brain i mean that that did oh happen. my goodness so anyway the the um the the collector market started to grow as these films started to disappear because uh that there, there was there was 39 films on the section one list which were considered the actual banned list 
okay? And then there was section two and section three, films that were prosecuted and, and, uh, but, uh, but not considered obscene. And then, mm-hmm. there were, then there were films that were prosecuted, uh, but uh, I can't even remember what the differentiation is. But basically, yeah, I'm seeing like section two and section three. Non-prosecuted, and then sex, section three is yeah. listed, just they're called video nasties, but yeah. it, less no, I mean, obscene they, charge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were less obscene, exactly. There were levels of how obscene they were, basically. But even if you look at the 39, there's still films on the 39 that you wouldn't consider the most obscene. No, there's Um, definitely films on here that I can see why somebody might be a bit offended by them. They're not films that I would want my mother to watch, like Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox and things like that. But then there are other ones on here that I'm kind of like, why? Um, Like one you just released, The Astrologer. Yeah. Um, is which on was section three, actually. That was section three, which is generally the lowest uh, level. Which is but also there's nothing in it. Nothing in it. Nothing in it at all. But there isn't an axe either. Have you seen axe? It's I haven't. And that is in section one, and 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 remained banned uh, until you know about ten years ago in its uncut form. And mm-hmm. it's only a sixty-five minute movie, and there is there is really no no gore or violence in this movie at all. It's all suggestive. And wow. so, so again, you can tell that they didn't actually, but they looked at these covers um, and were like, this is obviously something that, that shouldn't, that our children shouldn't have access to. Yeah. The one that I've always talked about just because nuns are kind of my jam um, is Killer Nun, which I'm yes. still, it, it's so light compared to, um, you know, what I consider to be a video nasty. I watch it and it's like a slow moving drama about a yeah. wit, uh, about a nun who thinks she may be killing people at, during blackout sessions. But yeah. there's, aside from some mild sexual situations, there's not much to it. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of these that I'm kind of like, I don't know why. Um, yeah, so talk a little bit about as it emerged and as this kind of evolved and these films were being prosecuted, how were you finding them? How were you getting them? So, so basically, uh, the same as here, we had a lot of fanzines. Uh, so, so first of all, that first of all, we couldn't access a list of what was on the list. You know, they didn't like publish it in the that, paper. No, and 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 that was the thing. Or well, maybe they did, but then that paper was gone. I mean, it wasn't like you know you had the internet to mm-hmm. for somebody to have you know scanned that list in. So. There were uh, fanzines like Sam Hain and Shock Express, and and basically that was where you learnt about the nasties, and it became a list of films that you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So you know, films that you might have not paid any attention to before, like uh, I don't know, Forest of Fear or something like that. I have now never all of a seen Forest of Fear. Yeah, or oh, Mardi Gras Massacre, or Madhouse, or, or or things like that. You need to Madhouse is the one with the dog, see. right? Yes. Okay, I've seen Madhouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, so basically, that that became something you wanted to see. So there would be people who would put adverts in these fanzines saying, uh, "Horror movie collector wants to talk to like-minded horror movie collectors," you know. And so you'd write each other letters, like in the olden days, and just be like, "I am interested in an uncut copy of Zombie Flesh Eaters," you know. And then then say, "Well, I'll trade it." for an uncut copy of Night of the Demon, you know, something like that. And, uh, and so that's what happened. But then the actual real, uh, the real um, 
gems were when you could go to every video store in the country still had video nasties in their back room or back at their house or whatever that they had to take off the shelf so what a lot of us collectors did we would have to earn the trust the trust of the video store owner and um and tell him to sell us his nasties yeah and uh and i did carl and i did that with many of the nottingham video shops we would be and sometimes they'd say no you're you're a plant you know you're obviously underage and the police have sent you in here i'm not interested in talking to you whereas others were like sure i'll take your your your, your 10 quid or whatever it is for a for an original of contamination um you know that sort of thing so so we ended up collecting a lot of stuff that way for our own collections but also to trade with other uh, collectors up and down the country many wow. of whom by the way are now you know in the business in the same way that i am like uh, like mark morris runs uh, nucleus films in london yeah. he had he had the collection in 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 england he's the one who had everything he had imports he had he had whatever you wanted um Steve Thrower, obviously, you know who he is. Yeah. He's kind of the same era. Harvey Fenton, who runs Fab Press. Fab Press, yeah. Yeah. He's, um, you know, um, uh, who else? Spencer Hickman, who runs Death Waltz Records mm -hmm. and, and runs the Beyond Festival. Yeah. One of the guys who does. He, all from the same era. So all people, like we, we developed this passion where you actually had to, you actually really had to put work into getting hold of the movies that you wanted. Now, so therefore, it became a real passion. Did that make them more fun to watch? Because I know here in the States, we had similar. The, our films weren't banned to quite that degree, but you still had the, in the back of Fangoria, you would see like email or, you know, mail me for a list of my horror films. That's how I first saw Guinea Pig, was yeah. um, mailing somebody my $10 and then getting like the boot, like VHS back. And it made the screening that much more special. Do you find that um, you have any attachments to these movies that you kind of had to go on the hunt for? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was something where you, where you had to, you know, uh, you had to wait to get them and you had to watch them in fifth generation copies and, and things like that. And, and then you found out that the version that was the video nasty was cut by five minutes, like in the case of Cannibal Holocaust or, or even the beyond was, was cut very heavily in England or Tenebrae or something like that. You, mm -hmm. you, when you found out there was actually a gorier version of these movies, you would, you would get it and you would buy it again and buy it again. It doesn't matter if it was a 10th generation, you wanted to see, the, the nastiness and mm -hmm. uh, and sure enough you wanted you wanted more of it so it did become something of an addiction but uh, on the other side of that there were some times where you got the film and it was actually a crushing disappointment because because you're like wait this thing's been built up as the as the the absolute end of society the end <laughs> of the world you know like Driller Killer being one of them which is a film oh, yeah. I like very much but I love but Driller it, Killer but there's it, nothing to it, it there's it some really crazy shower bad. scenes but there's an annoying <laughs> punk band and yeah. a weird there was the, painting, there's the but... one drill in the head which was on the cover mm -hmm. which is the made it so controversial but it was now, not... i always yeah i always heard stories that part of this was kickstarted because driller killer took out an ad in some type of publication and that, that was what like piqued people's interest to these films. well that it, it was the it was the artwork on driller killer and and ss experiment camp was another one where it had the video box had a naked woman upside down on a cross with a nazi standing next to her and That'll so do it. Yeah, exactly so it was basically like well this is actually for everybody to see when they walk into the video shop so you know that was part of like you can imagine the the, the average person who 
or is only you know interested in a mainstream movie seeing that and what they imagine this movie is and so a lot of it was about you know the worry of of, of not what they saw, but what they think is in it, you know? And Mary Whitehouse was the same. She admitted never to actually having seen any of these movies. She was spending so much time and money and energy on crusading against. She never actually saw any of them. But wow. I mean, she didn't need to actually see them to know what they did. I bet she's a beast in heat type of gal. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so talk to me about how this wind down and when these films started becoming available or are some of them still Some of them are still banned. I mean, I mean, England is still pretty censorious relative to the rest of the Western world. I mean, they're a lot better than they were even when Carl and I got started in the 90s, when, when Carl and I started buying rights to movies and we ran a label called Exploited. Uh, we had several films banned because we were, we were resubmitting them thinking enough time has passed now, surely you don't think that this film, and Axe was one of them, we submitted Axe and uh, they wanted to give it a 15, which is like the equivalent of a PG-13, but for 15 year olds. Um, and then they were told that it was actually still on the, uh, the 39 obscenity list. So they had to cut something. It was in their, um, it, they had an internal rule at the censorship board that if it was still prosecuted as obscene, you had to cut something and make it significantly different in order for it to be acceptable because it wasn't their fault. It was the law of the land. So when we, um, when, when we bought the rights to Last House on the left and we're like, okay, we're going to make a case for this being acceptable now. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, the censor actually came back with a small amount of cuts thinking he was being cool with us and just like, okay, it's not really as bad as I, I'm making up what the thought process going through mm -hmm. his head. But basically we were surprised how few cuts it was. But we rejected their cuts letter and actually decided to take them to appeal, which is something that nobody did in England at the time, because you don't appeal the, um, it, it's like Bernie Sanders and the DNC. It's basically like, forget it. You're basically gonna be steamrolled over and yep. they will change the rules and shift the goalposts and ridicule and they'll laugh at you and blah, 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 and it'll, and so, but we were like, no, there, there is no reason for Last House on the Left to be, uh, not uncut in this it's considered to be a, such a classic work yeah. of art uh, and that, that was yeah. that was our case and and we showed it in cinemas and there was no uh you know mass murders after it was shown in the cinema you know this was our case because that was the case at the time with this obscenity having a tendency to deprave and corrupt that is the wording about obscenity in england it has wow. to have a tendency to deprave and corrupt so we're like okay so we've shown it in cinemas now nobody seems to have been depraved and corrupt so what do we do so we took him to court anyway and then we heard from somebody we had internally at the bbfc that the head of the bbfc was so regretting even giving us so little cuts that he was like oh my god how can i justify leaving in piss your pants and only telling them to you know like the bits that he told us to cut but the bits that he allowed us to leave in it was going to make him make a very difficult case for him but of course, it's a kangaroo court because it's not an actual court. They get to select the jury. They get to pick their jurors. So essentially, so, they picked people who were going to be offended by. So it's much like, more like an arbitration where it's like a private indeed. thing outside of your court system. Indeed, exactly. Wow. And we do, and we do, but they're government appointed, so they get to make the rules basically. And so anyway, we lost the case. 
But what it pointed out to them was that their whole rule about having to cut uh, films that were uh, prosecuted under Section 1 was bullshit. And that basically we proved that most of those films were never actually watched. Uh, and, and so, so there is no reason behind them having to cut a little bit of it to make it not obscene. And so after that, they started to pass video nasties um, they started to pass them uncut and so some so then uh the and i'm not saying this was it was only us that did this mm -hmm. there were other people who who did this as well but basically it was, that was the time when the 39 nasties started to show up uncut after that uh there are still some of them that are not like uh, i believe i spit on your grave is still not allowed uncut um none of the nazi exploitation movies as far as i'm aware are are allowed the cannibal movies are not because there's rules about uh, animal violence and things like that but but a lot of them are now not uh not a problem in england finally Wow. Now let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite video nasties as we wrap this up. Um, what are some of your favorite video nasties? Like I, you've done, you've distributed a ton through seven. Were there any that you were kind of like, I have to get this one. I have to get yeah. this. Well, I mean, there's a number of them because there's many of them that I, uh, that, that were so important to me at that mm -hmm. time and that I, you know, went, fought long and hard to actually find copies of and track down and see. Um, I mean, there's the obvious ones like zombie, zombie mm -hmm. flesh eaters, the beyonds, uh, you know, the fun house, uh, anthropophagus, stuff like that. We've released about 15 of them on Severin and across the three sections. And we have about another 10 or so in the works. So, you know, a few of them are ones that we've actually released. But I think the, the, ma the main one that's important to me is Bloody Moon, which I think I mentioned on, on Shockwaves, which yep. was the one that, that Carl and I watched on the same day that we saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, and Bloody Moon, we just thought was the, the best movie of all time because it was just, it had that head chopping with the circular saw and we'd just <laughs> never seen anything like it. And it's oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember know. seeing that image in a book. I hadn't even seen the movie yet, but I saw that m image in a book. Um, and I remember it just saying Bloody Moon underneath. And that image alone was enough to get me to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and still, that's the image from the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fond of that. I'm fond of the Cannibal Man. Have you seen that one? The, I have the not. The movie. Yeah, it's a it's a really good movie, and it's not. And it was probably banned because it had Cannibal in the title. I would assume so around you know, that time. Anything period. with Cannibal uh, at that time, you know, that was definitely on the list. There was Apocalypse, like, Ferox, yeah. Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, Cannibals definitely Terror. were in there. Yeah, Terror, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They 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 all uh, they all got seized at one point or another. Now, are there any on here that you have not seen? I know you're kind of a completionist like me, and I do have to admit there are some of the video nasties that I have not seen. Um, so are there any on here that you've not seen or that are really hard to track down even to this day? Because I know some of them um, have kind of fallen to the wayside of time as well. Yes, I'm just trying to think which ones I haven't seen. I'm pretty sure that I've seen them all. Wow. Uh, oh, I don't think I ever saw Frozen Scream, which is on the, on the section two list. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've definitely seen all the ones on the section one list. 
I have oh. I have Island of Death. I keep trying to dare oh, myself to watch it. Yeah. It looks intense. Fantastic. It doesn't look like a fun film. It is. A, I, rem I remember the time that I got that from a local video store, and the guy, the guy, the guy, he took he took me. He was a Sikh fella at a place called Atom Video in Nottingham, where they had a a, a creep show, creep on the window. That's right, oh nice video store. And uh, anyway, he was just like, okay, if you're really interested in movies, if you're really a movie fan, he took me to his house, and in his garage he had like 30 of the nasties and i was just like this that was the biggest treasure trove that, that I ever came across and anyway i got island of death from there i keep that wanting to watch it because it's a greek film right it, and i find i find Masterakis. Yeah, yeah the idea of a greek horror film i find so fascinating just because it's a yeah. region that we don't see a lot of horror films coming out of um but so, at the same time that one i've heard i've heard it gets pretty intense so, um, uh, I don't know about yeah. You should watch it. It's, yeah, it's, I need it's to. It's very tasteless. Let's put it that way. But it's but it's kind of it's so audacious that that it really really should be seen by any fan of extreme cinema. I'm in. I have not seen the werewolf and the yeti. Yeah, the werewolf and the yeti was one of those ones that when I saw it, I was like, why the fuck is this on there? <laughs> like, I, I I don't get it. It's a Paul Nashy werewolf movie, very similar to lots of other Paul Nashy werewolf movies. Wow. Okay. Maybe I have seen it. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Are there any it's also, also known as Night of the Howling Beast. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen every other one on the main list, including all those fun Nazi exploitation films. Uh -huh. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've seen Frozen Scream either. Yeah, no, I never saw that one. Uh, I Miss You Hugs and Kisses. Okay, I've never so seen. I Miss You Hugs and Kisses was a weird one. And I don't know that anybody's really been able to figure out why it was on the nasties list either. Because it's not like it's got a title that, that would scream nasty. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I remember back then, it's years since I've seen it, but I remember back at the time we always used to say, why is I Miss You Hugs and Kisses? on the list that, yeah. that's just such an anomaly. Yeah, that seems like an oddball. And you know, then there are some of these that I consider to be so just not bland, but just not in any way controversial, like looking here um, at Let Sleeping Corpses Lie yeah. is just such a good, well-composed, smart zombie it's film. It's a great movie. It's, one of, my, it's yeah. one of my favorites, one of my favorite zombie movies. And, uh, and you know what? There was something about guts at the time if there was actual intestines being pulled out in any scene that made the obscene list okay that so, explains so, every fulci film exactly so, yeah. exactly that was considered one of the big no-nos yeah that definitely um i've seen every fulci film in here the dorm that dripped blood is pranks yes yeah, yeah. i don't remember anything it's, crazy in that no, it's a pretty basic slasher movie but yeah. you know again you have to remember that a lot of these things were being swiped off the shelves without mm -hmm. anybody actually looking at them wow. they were just like okay this one looks like it's 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 a bad one let's take it let's let's prosecute it along with all the others that totally makes sense man martin's on here yeah martin, scanners can you believe it? Yeah. yeah scanners like there's the dawn so of the dead's on there uh, yeah you know, like... oh my gosh phantasm yeah phantasm come on wow ridiculous yeah. so yeah um so going forward what is one of the video nasty films that you really want to try to release eventually it could either be well, one that you have in the works or one that you just really would like to do sometimes if you can say 
Yeah, no, I, can, I mean, as I said on Shockwaves, the, the, the two holy grails for me are Blood for Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh, which, yeah. Which I can't, we can't, we can't get the rights to. And if, if the rights ever do become available, it probably won't be us that gets them. But they're the two that I, that more than any films, are the ones that I want to give the treatment to. That totally but, uh, makes sense. But another that's, uh, that's of interest to me is uh, a film called GBH, which is on the Section 3 list, which was made by a Manchester-based kind of uh, a, a bouncer called Cliff Twemlow. Does it go by another name? Oh, wait, GBH. Here GBH. it is, Grievous Body Harm. I've never seen this. Grievous Bodily Harm. Look up the video cover uh, uh, for, the, for the nasty version, basically. And it was on every video shop in the country. And it basically is this bouncer in a white tux holding an axe with blood splattered all over his shirt. And it says, more brutal than the long good Friday. And, and basically it's a gangster movie. It's not even a horror movie, but it was one of the first shot on video movies. And it was made by this bouncer and his thuggy mates uh, in Manchester. And they decided to make a Long Good Friday-esque tough guy movie, which obviously is a precursor to all these Lockstock movies that mm-hmm. are made now like thousands of them have been made since Lockstock is two smoking barrels but it's yeah. a bunch of tough dudes hanging around nightclubs talking tough and beating each other up and stuff like that wow. and uh, and and that and Cliff Twemlow himself is one of those people that I that I'm fascinated by that he just after GBH had some level of success he made another like 10 movies over the next decade wow. none of which seemed to actually have made any impression or any money whatsoever but uh but he kept on doing it man he was a he was a uh he was he was a fierce independent but it was such a weird he was just like a bodybuilder he fancied being a filmmaker oh wow okay well you sold me on gbh now so i have to watch it um so as kind of a long-term thing um as we learned here in the states by having Tipper Gore and the PMRC step forward and being like, this movie is satanic, it just drove an entire generation of youth towards it, making yeah. us love Ozzy and everything that we were told is evil all the more. Did the same thing happen in the UK? Like, did it create a generation of extreme horror fans? It, it, it created an underground of extreme horror fans. It wasn't like the, it hit the mainstream like, like Ozzy or Guns N' Roses did, you know. It was basically because the average person or the average teenager in England would watch a lot of these movies and just think, well, these are shit movies. And so they wouldn't have like the, the drive that, that me and Carl and all the people that I mentioned before mm-hmm. had about wanting to see these films. You have to be really into movies to want to see all of the nasty. You have to really want to be in, you have to really be into horror movies to mm-hmm. want to see all of these movies, you know, because there's some, there's some, you know, it, it's the whole gamut of quality, you yes. know, in terms of uh, not just necessarily budget, because some of the lowest budget ones are some of the better films. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's definitely, there's definitely some pretty shitty ones in there oh, yeah. too. So you have to really want to be into it. But like I said, it did create these people who, uh, including myself, who were really obsessed with collecting, with wanting to see it all, with wanting to see the best version and the most uncut version. And, uh, and like I say, there was all, all those people who, who are still kind of working in that field now who came out of that. You know? I love that. 
Oh my gosh. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us tonight and walking me through an area that I'm fascinated by, um, but really was excited to learn more about. So thank you so much. Um, tell everybody what's coming up next for Severin. What do you guys have releasing soon? Uh, well, we have the Al Adamson collection coming. Uh, we are still waiting for the boxes to arrive from overseas. So we're just trying to find out if that's going to delay us. And if, uh, if it is, then how long? And then uh, we are next releasing When the Wind Blows, the... Um, oh, that creepy Holocaust-y yeah. cartoon yeah. thing. Yeah. And then after that tonight, uh, by the time this, this goes live, we'll, we'll have announced uh, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, Satan's Slaves, and what's the third one? Oh, The Horrors of Spider Island. Nice. So, yeah, I've so always wanted to see of, The Horrors of Spider Island. I've uh, never gotten to fantastic. see it. It's such a wacky German film with nice. a giant spider, a spider man, and lots of kind of go-go dancers on an island. You kind of had me at spiders, but I'm totally in for go-go <laughs> dancers too. So this sounds amazing. So thank you so much for joining us. You guys can find more info about Severin at www.severin-films.com. And uh, thank you so much, David Gregory. And uh, we will be back next week with an office hours. And then the week after that, I will be back. I am seriously considering doing a live show because I was supposed to be traveling to a number of um, conventions during March and April, um, including Chattanooga. I was supposed to be in Phoenix for a while. I was supposed to be at the Salem Women with Guts Festival. So I had all these fun live shows planned. I may end up just trying to do one over Zoom or Facebook Live or YouTube Live or something. So please um, keep an eye on the Nightmare University socials to see uh, what I'm feeling. I'm getting bored and antsy here in the uh, safer at home zone of Los Angeles. So um, we'll see how I'm feeling next week. But yeah, we will be back in two weeks with another Nightmare University. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and rate us and like us on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. Have an awesome night. You think you know how to wake the dead. You think you've heard the call. You think you're an undead superstar, man. You think you know it all. Well, you don't know nothing, punk. Talking that same cadaver junk. Let me show you. Nightmare University is a Fangoria Podcast Network original produced and hosted by Rebecca McKendry, producer Natasha Pacetta, executive producers Dallas Saunier and Phil Nobile Jr., associate producer Jessica Safa-Vemer, art and design by Ashley Detmering, sound recording, design, and mixing by David McKendry, music by The Serpentines, for Fangoria, Brandon Moynerdi, Jason Kozlerich, and Rachel Wilson.